0: G'day everyone and welcome to The Journey This Week. My name's Jude Hennessy. have the great pleasure of bringing you this show from coast to coast and north to south and lots and lots of places around Australia, Christian radio stations, community radio stations who take this show. It's all about faith, hope, love and life and we've got some great people for you this weekend as we quickly approach this season of Advent but we're in the 32nd, 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time and we'll be looking at the theme that comes from the Gospel reading that's set down for Today, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, this notion of staying awake. We've got some great presenters that are contributing to our journey in faith, our journey in discipleship, including Father Mike Delaney from down in Tasmania. His God in the Everyday segment is really awesome. He's going to talk to us about a wine judging he went to recently and some lessons learned there. We're going to hear from Dr. Byron and Francine Perola making a change for the better. Father Tony Percy, too. He's going to break open the reading that is associated with the first reading today, The Gift of Wisdom, a wonderful book from the Old Testament, and that's the first reading It's being read right around the world for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. There's always a reading from the Old Testament, from one of the New Testament letters in the Gospel, and there's a psalm in there as well, plenty of scripture. So that's what Father Tony's going to break open for us today, all about the gift of wisdom from the, the book of wisdom that he's going to speak about. Mother Hilda Scott, she's got a beautiful story about a Benedictine saint called Saint Gertrude, we're looking at how she dealt with sorrow in her life. But to kick us off, we're going to hear from Father John Corrigan. He's got a gospel reflection that's all about staying awake. This reading from Matthew twenty-five one to thirteen: the the wise and the foolish virgins waiting for their their master to come home. Who's been at the, the Messiah's the messianic wedding banquet, looking at our priorities, remaining vigilant and uh, and waiting on the Lord. Let's get into that now. Hear from Father John Corrigan. After that bit of music, redemption song. After the break, always coming in at first drop, Mother Hilda Scott, Wisdom from the Abbey. Lots and lots to get through on this week's show. We better jump into it now. Faith, hope, love, and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and thanks for joining us on the journey.
1: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told this parable to his disciples. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensible. The foolish ones did take their lamps, but they brought no oil. Whereas the sensible ones took flasks of oil as well as their lamps. The bridegroom was late and they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight there was a cry, ''The bridegroom is here, go out and meet him.'' At this all those bridesmaids woke up and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the sensible ones, ''Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out.'' But they replied, ''There may not be enough for us and for you. You had better go to those who sell it and buy some for yourselves.'' They had gone off to buy it when the bridegroom arrived. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding hall, and the door was closed. The other bridesmaids arrived later. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you solemnly, I do not know you. So stay awake, because you do not know either the day or the hour. The Gospel
2: of the Lord
1: now the gospel reflection with father john corrigan
2: we do not know the day or the hour of our death but we do know that when that moment arrives we will encounter jesus in the particular judgment and then like the bridesmaids in today's parable we must render an account for our time but time is a tricky thing the most surprising implication In Einstein's theory of special relativity is that a second is not always a second and Einstein uses a graphic example to illustrate this. When you sit with a nice girl for two hours you think it's one minute but when you sit on a hot stove for one minute you think it's two hours. That's relativity. Now if our human perception of time varies isn't it feasible that God's perception of time might also vary. Seen with the eyes of Christ, the value of 10 minutes may not be merely 10 minutes, but eternity condensed into 10 minutes. God is interested in how much love we can put into 10 minutes, how much we can grow in 10 minutes, how much we can cause others to grow in 10 minutes. Ten minutes done with love can be as ten years in God's eyes. So for us to use our time well, we must do all things with love. If God told you a secret you were not permitted to share, a secret that today was your last day on earth, what would you do? This question was put to St. Charles Borromeo while he played billiards with some clergy. And one priest announced he would spend the day doing good, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, that sort of thing. Another priest said that he would spend the day in church, praying for himself, praying for the world. St. Charles surprised everyone. I would continue playing billiards because I began this game with the intention of honoring God. That's what good use of time looks like. It looks unremarkable. Good use of time does not involve extraordinary acts. Good use of time is ordinary acts done with love, because the person in love does not forget. As long as the Lord and our neighbour are our highest priorities, we will resemble the wise bridesmaids. We'll remain vigilant, we'll live every day as though it might be our last. With love, kind to others, quick to forgive, quick to apologize, without any grudges. At midnight there was a cry, the bridegroom is here, go out to meet him. Stay awake, the Lord warns, you do not know either the day or the hour.
1: You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full.
3: Yesterday, the baby high.
1: You're listening to The Journey. Music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda.
4: We have a Benedictine saint called St Gertrude. Gertrude was a very smart woman, a genius in fact. As a nun, she spent heaps of time improving her mind By the time she got to her late 30s, she discovered that wasn't enough and her life was in something of a mess. She was claiming access to things that weren't bringing her happiness at all. Now, one time in church, as the nuns were reciting the word of God, she heard these words, Why are you consumed by fear? And why has sorrow changed you? Fear not, for I am with you. I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel. She heard those words and it changed her life. Prompts me to ask you today, because any word that is spoken, any word of God that you hear is a word meant for you. Are you consumed by fear right now? What is it that's made you so fearful? What sorrow has changed you? What's happened? Have you talked to God about it? Because here he is saying to you, I, I, I am the Lord your God. I am with you, the Holy One. doesn't get much better than this. This is the God who is issuing an invitation to you through the story of St. Gertrude. If fear and sorrow have claimed you right now, go to God, sit down somewhere, tell him all about it. And in the quietness of your heart, you'll hear him say to you too, fear not. I am the Lord your God. I am with you, the Holy One of Israel.
0: Thanks so much to Mother Hilda Scott there. bit of a story of St. Gertrude. A story about not allowing ourselves to be consumed by fear or anything that's not of God. And a reminder to fear not, for I am with you. Thank you to her. Thank you to Father John Corrigan, who kicked us off at the start of the show with a beautiful Gospel Reflection for this week's Gospel, Matthew 25, all around the theme of staying awake. Now, after the break, we've been really enriched by Father Tony Percy in his segment, The Word. This week, he's going to break open the importance of the gift of wisdom. And he's doing that based on the first reading this week, which is from the Book of Wisdom, looking at all those wonderful gifts of the Spirit and defining what wisdom is. You'll love that. That's after the break with Father Tony. Bit more music, though, whatever it takes, from Stephen Stanley and a bit of Nathan Fawcett made in your image. After the break, Father Tony Percy. Faith, hope, love, and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Thanks for joining us this week on The
3: Journey. It's hard for me to believe that I've got nothing to prove. I thought this dirt on my hands. Was gonna keep me from you? I fall as much as I rise Feels like my walk is a crime
1: On the journey, faith, hope, and love for life in all its fullness. Present. with Father Tony Percy. This week, Wisdom.
5: This week, it's all about wisdom. The first reading is from the Book of Wisdom, one of the later books in the Old Testament. It's actually written, we think, by an Alexandrian Jew who wrote in Greek because of the influence of Greek culture. And then the Gospel is again from Matthew because we're in year A, and it's uh, chapter 25, and it's the parable of the ten uh, virgins, five of whom are wise and five of who are unwise because they're not prepared for the coming of the bridegroom, which really is interpreted as the point of death. So the end message there is stay alert. you know neither the, the hour or the day. So that's the sense of it. So the, the focus is really on wisdom. We're living in a modern age where there's been a, an explosion of information and we can't equate wisdom necessarily with information. You've all had the experience of information flooding in and you're none the wiser at all. And then we have uh, information, then we have knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge. Is that wisdom? Well, the the biblical idea is not so necessarily. It may be, but not so necessarily. And so what happens is in the Bible is that wisdom is actually given to us as a gift. And you'll find this too in the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which speaks about the, uh, the wisdom of God coming through the gifts of, the, the, of confirmation, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So wisdom and understanding and counsel and knowledge and fortitude and piety and fear of the Lord or reverence. Those seven wonderful gifts. So the, the first point I think we should understand here is that wisdom is a gift. It's a gift that we have to try and receive. So God is willing to give the gift, and are we, do we have the capacity, or the willingness, or the the wantingness to to receive the gift? That's the seems to be the issue. The first reading, as I said, is from wisdom, and it comes from around about chapter six in wisdom. And what it does, it speaks about loving wisdom, it speaks about looking for wisdom, it speaks about walking on the way for wisdom. Wisdom is waiting for you, being alert to wisdom. It speaks about desiring wisdom. It's a fabulous little reading, actually, but it's talking about our response to wisdom. So in other words, the gift is there and we've got to try somehow to receive it. Well, all of this, of course, begs the question, what on earth is wisdom? That's a very good question. So let's have a look at a couple of passages in the scriptures. One, of course, comes from the first book of the Kings with King Solomon, who was a says to God, uh, I'd like to receive the gift of wisdom. And he says, I would like very much to have a heart that discerns between good and evil. That's very important, it seems to me, in this modern age, to have a very clear idea of what is good and what is evil. You may remember that saying of uh, Pope John uh, XXIII, who was canonized uh, not so long ago, he used to say there's a lot more good in the world than you think and there's a lot more evil in the world than you think and I think that's true. I first heard that as a young man and was a little bit uh, skeptical but now as I'm getting a little bit older I realize the truth of that. So wisdom Solomon asks for wisdom and the wisdom is to have a heart that discerns between good and evil. That's very important in our tradition we've had the seven virtues the faith hope and love. And then we've had the Greek virtues too, which we've adopted in the Christian era. Brilliant, brilliant. Prudence, temperance, justice and fortitude. The prudence will bring you the wisdom, but so will the fortitude. The fortitude will help you to live it. And the justice as well. Uh, Most important, it seems to me, those four cardinal virtues to really understand what is a good and what is evil, to pursue good relentlessly and to be very strong in our rejection of evil. I mean, just think, for instance, of a violent war or think of, you know, uh, rapes of women and children and what's been happening in the world of recent times. Think of how evil that can be. That's the sort of thing we've got to reject and rejecting untruth, for instance. Go through the commandments, go through the Beatitudes and it's quite easy to see what we should be pursuing and what we should be rejecting then we come, so that's in, that's in the older part of the Old Testament, that's a definition of wisdom, pursuing good, to, to, avoiding evil. But then we come to the book of wisdom, the one that we've got this, this particular Sunday. As that book sort of reaches a crescendo, what I think is important in this particular stage of wisdom, or the definition of wisdom that's given here, is this idea that with God, justice and mercy meet. And then when we are aware of this, when we receive this magnificent justice and mercy of God which comes into our heart, it makes us easier for us to repent. That seems to be wisdom as well. So let me finish with a definition of wisdom that may or may not be helpful for you. What I've given you, hopefully you can sort of take and and pursue. But I personally think now after a little bit of reflection that wisdom is not only... Thinking the way God thinks about things and events and people, and he thinks through the lens of the creative love and redemptive love, it's not only thinking like God, it's also feeling like God about things. Not only thinking, but feeling about things and events and people. And that, to me, I think is, is real wisdom.
0: Thank you so much to Father Tony Percy there. He hails from Canberra, Goulburn. He's based at Queen Anne these days. Wonderful teacher, wonderful preacher, really lucky to have him on the show pretty much each and every week now, and a great defining of what wisdom is and why it's so important in the Christian life. A few weeks ago, we, we interviewed Dr. Amon Matheson, and as we speak, or as this, this show is going to air, this weekend is the Australian Catholic Medical Association Conference, lots of guys coming from other Christian denominations too, importance of people in the medical profession coming together, unifying bring themselves under the law's protection and, and each other's counsel in a pretty difficult time in many instances and many circumstances faced in an increasingly secular environment in which they find themselves operating in the medical profession, I just ask that you, you pray for them as that conference is, uh, is unfolding this weekend and there's great fruit that comes out of it for not only for them and for their work but for all those wonderful people who work in the medical profession and, and do so from a heart of faith. It's from that faith that we've got the origins of what we'd call modern medicine and hospitals and healthcare. So pray for them as they are kicking around a whole lot of issues, particularly those related to life issues and conscientious objection, their ability to do so and speak freely and act freely in the wonderful work that they do. After the break, Dr. Byron and Francine Parola, Smart Loving's their segment. They're going to talk about making changes for the better. More music first, though. Here's Bella Taylor-Smith, the song Small Things. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you're still on the journey.
6: Tell me what I look like through your eyes. Tell me, did I ever cross your mind? Wonder if I have to wonder why. There's so many things that you could say Why can't you just come and set things straight Tell me, did you look the other way? Mm -hmm. They say it's in the small things that I can see your love and i got all these big things And they're messing me up And maybe it's perspective And that could change my mind And one day all these small things They will light up over time Cause that happens all the time Did you mean to teach me something new? Oh show sure. Something new to me That I believe They say it's in the small things That I can see your love But I've got all these big things And they're messing me up And maybe it's perspective And that could change my mind And start seeing the small things How the add up over time I know it will take some time
1: Faith, hope, love and life, this is The Journey. Here's Byron and Francine Parola with Smart Loving. Tips for vibrant marriages and family
7: life. Change is difficult. We start out well, but despite our best intentions, sustained change often eludes us.
8: Hi, we're Byron and Francine Parola, and today we're talking about making change that lasts.
7: What can you do when you really need a change to stick? It sounds obvious but too often we focus on the wrong things to change and so the results are disappointing, which in turn undermines our motivation.
8: Consider David, who's in the habit of making crude and insulting comments after a few too many drinks. After a particularly embarrassing social event which his wife stormed out, he was filled with remorse and promises he'll never do it again. And for a month, everything was fine. His wife actually starts to feel that maybe this time it'll be different, but then there's another devastating blowout. Instead of promising to hold his tongue... If David looked at what was happening to him before he started talking crudely, he'd get a better insight to what kind of change would really work. In this case, alcohol is clearly a contributor, but it's not the main problem. If he examines why he drinks to excess, he would discover that it happens when he feels inadequate. David would have more success holding his tongue if he found a healthier way of dealing with his emotions of inadequacy.
7: Let's take another example. Sharon chronically nags and undermines her husband which leads him to withdraw and emotionally shut down. She resolves to cease her nagging criticism. For the first few days she consciously bites her tongue but her whole demeanour and body language is conveying her meaning just as effectively. Her husband continues to withdraw under the assault of her passive-aggressive attitude and she concludes the situation is hopeless. No matter what she does he won't change. Instead Sharon needs to change her attitude rather than her behaviour. If she starts to think about her husband differently, consciously suspending judgement and searching out his more noble qualities on which to focus, her attitude towards him will shift and her intended behaviour will follow more easily. Trying to
8: change behaviours without first addressing the underlying attitudes seldom works. Whatever personal change you want to see in your marriage, remember... If you want the change to endure, start with a change of attitude before you tackle a change in behaviour.
7: We're Francine and Byron Parola. For more information on relationships, visit smartloving.org. Well,
0: thanks to Dr Byron and Francine Parola there. What we need to do to bring about change in ourselves, marriage is all about change. That's the whole impetus of married life, certainly in the, in the Christian ideal, the notion that we are working together. As couples, bringing each other to more faithful, more authentic walks in in discipleship with God and with each other as a result of that too. So great insights into whatever personal changes we need to make in ourselves or our marriages and how the behaviours or the actions are usually the results of attitudes. So the attitude change is the big thing. Rounding out the show this week after the break, we're going to be hearing from Father Mike Delaney, God in the everyday. He's going to talk about some wine awards that he went to and what he learnt and what we might learn from it as well. Always very down-to-earth and very relevant stuff from Father Mike Delaney from down there in Tasmania. More music, though. Here's Kane, Anymore and Lauren Daigle, you say. After the break, Father Mike is going to round out the show for us. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you're still on the journey.
3: I'm Dominic from Vancouver, Canada, and you're listening to The Journey.
6: I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough.
1: Together on the journey, faith, hope, and love for life in all its fullness. And now, seeing God in life's everyday events, here's Father Mike Delaney.
9: Some of you might guess, or at least have an idea from the title of this podcast, where this story is heading. On my fridge, I have a magnet which says, life is too short to drink bad wine. I also have a cartoon of Maxine an irreverent older woman who asks when a recipe suggests, add leftover wine, what's that? Well recently I was wondering about awards for wines and what they might mean. There was a South Australian wine that won a double gold and a trophy for the best Shiraz as well as a gold medal at the AWC Vienna Awards. Then there was a Tasmanian vineyard that won gold at an international wine challenge in London for their Chardonnay. As well as the same vineyard presented a Pinot which won the Australian Pinot Noir trophy and the Australian Red trophy at a competition in Singapore. Then another Tasmanian vineyard won the 2021 Australian Pinot Noir challenge for their 2020 Pinot. Then there's the Halliday Wine Companion Awards, the International Cool Climate Wine Show, the Royal Melbourne Wine Awards, the Hobart Wine Show, the Sydney International Wine Show, and there are heaps more. Then there's my wine advisor who rings to tell me about the various great wines which are waiting anxiously for me to stump up the cash and they'll be on their way. And don't forget, they'll be left in the garage if no one's home. But what does it all mean? How can so many different vineyards compete in so many different competitions and all win a prize as being the best? Ultimately, what these competitions are all saying is that on a given day, in a given place, the wine chosen is the best of all those that have been presented for judging. And even though I do take notice of the awards won, and the points that a particular wine might have been awarded. In the end, the main question is, did I enjoy the wine, and would I enjoy another glass? If the answer is yes, then I can pat myself on the back and say that buying that wine was a great decision. But then I thought, what happens when I actually meet people for the first time? Do I make decisions based on what other people have said about them, Or am I prepared to accept them as they are and get to know them and then make my own decision? Sadly, there have been times when I've acted like the wine snob who only takes notice of what others think and don't take the time to get to know what is before me. Just recently in our Sunday Gospel taken from Matthew 10, Jesus said, Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And those who welcome me, welcome the one who sent me. I'd like to hope that during this coming week, when I meet people, I will take the time to see them as they are, and know that they are Christ in my midst, the image of God, and that I will make the opportunity to get to know them, just as God gets to know me.
3: Saying. There's a fountain flowing from the heart of the Savior. Bring your sins and all your guilty stains. Let that river of life wash it away.
0: taking the lessons from a wine show, and wine judging, and similarly as you try to avoid being a wine snob to avoid the judgments that can be very, very wrong about what other people are like based on what other people say about them. Not right, not fair, and certainly not how we're to act if we get to take on the the mind of Christ. Thank you to him. Thank you to all of our contributors to this week's show, to uh, Father Tony Percy, Brian and Francine Parola, Great to have Mother Hilda Scott, of course, and big thank you to Father John Corrigan who broke open the Gospel for us right at the start of the show. We're screaming through the, the weeks of the year. We'll be diving into Advent, this wonderful journey towards Christmas. The Advent season's a really special one, preparing our hearts for the most amazing event in history, the Incarnation, God's rescue mission. We're diving into some, some really great reflections, especially that we've got from the small group Advent Reflection Guide that uh, tens of thousands of copies are being used around Australia in churches, and it's really rich. So you'll, you'll love what's coming up over the next four weeks or so. Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope it's been of great benefit to you. I hope it's buoyed you up, and we'll be doing it all again next week. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy,
1: and thanks for joining us on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy. And produced by Max Norden on Darawal country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.